In this episode, we speak with Paul, who is the business development manager at Onec, formerly known as XL Redstone. Paul has a rich background in technology, lighting, smart buildings, and energy management. And today we discuss environmental, social, and governance, and how the increasingly mandated Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, the TCFD, has impacted the industry. We review new problems that didn't previously exist, but are now coming to the fore, as building owners attempt to access their building data to generate an accurate picture of current performance and also plan for improvements. Currently, only one in five commercial buildings operate with a basic building management system, despite Europe being the third largest energy consumer in the world. Policy is increasingly forcing positive environmental change. However, many would argue it is not happening fast enough. But how can we forge a pathway for business owners to follow and act on new policy and legislation? Find out in this episode. Hi, Paul. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. So you obviously work for Onec, which was formerly known as XL Redstone. That's Um, right, yeah. So would you like to tell anyone who isn't aware what Onec is all about? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, Onic um, rebranded from Excel Redstone uh, on July the 6th of this year. And Excel uh, Redstone had been around for about 30 or has been around for about 34 years. Um, it is very well known in infrastructure network, uh, structured cabling um, and managed services and works with some very large corporates all over the world. We had acquired a number of businesses over the last few years, um, and it felt right to finally rebrand the business as we're growing globally as well with those customers. Mm-hmm. And that, that um, I guess, was the theme of the, yeah. the whole rebranding mission. Cool. And you've obviously worked there for nearly two years now or so. Yeah, um, I've been here for, I think it's 18 months now, I think, something right. like that. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I came from a, a large, very large vendor global vendor we had a very large sales operation but we sort of um, missed a little bit on actually being able to deliver on what the customer uh, outcomes the customer um, vision uh, was for for the solutions and 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 I think that the the beauty of 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 Onic as we are now is that we very much more weighted towards technical delivery so we have very specific skill sets within our part of the business um, that mean we are heavily focused on being able to deliver uh, those outcomes for the customers. Perfect. Okay. And obviously today you mentioned there about the, you know, delivery of projects and, you know, acting on customers' needs and things. So today we're going to be discussing ESG yeah. and, you know, it's a topic we've discussed on the podcast before, but there seems to have been an influx in attention on the topic recently you know, yeah. with policy increasingly driving the adoption. Yeah. So, I mean, that takes us to the first question. So I wanted to understand from your point of view, you know, how have you seen firsthand how the updates to things like the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, so the TCFD, how has that impacted the industry? Obviously, we see, we're seeing that currently only affect larger organisations, but... Mm-hmm. The government is increasingly making this framework mandatory and it will begin to impact those smaller organizations as well so yeah what's your point of view on that yeah well we work with uh, very large um, financial uh, customers um, all over the world um, and we have worked with some of them for more than 20 years 
Um, the part of the business that I specifically work for um, is the MSI team, so the Master System Integration team. Um, and we've developed a solution over the last four years with a very large technology customer um, that effectively maps data from any device um, anywhere in the build. The reason why that's relevant is that one of the things that the increasing um, uh, legislation uh, is, is pushing is, is for more data, um, because obviously you can't really credibly assign a, a pathway to net zero your, your operations if you don't really understand where you are today and therefore build a plan to go forward and make those changes. So, so really our role within this and, and, and why we're talking to people about this is because we're providing that uh, granularity of data that allows them to better understand their buildings. There be, as you suggested, they're being forced more and more to do that. When TCFD became um, mandatory, then obviously for the financials, uh, this was a, a major change in, in how they were having to report things because, of course, up till then, it had been a sort of PR exercise, I think. Um, I'm not suggesting that people didn't take it seriously, but it was very much about yeah. um, we're saying we're going to be net zero or carbon free or whatever it might be um, by this date. And, and you'd, you'd often see others follow that track because it, it just you know it was good publicity and it it, it um it was the right thing to do but but actually now uh, more and more you're seeing um lots of different sets of legislation come in that are aimed at being able to ensure there isn't that um greenwashing mm. potential in the in the space and and that's a really positive thing because um it, it means that even if people doubt the urgency that's required to address these issues. I don't think there's any uh, real debate about the seriousness of climate change, but I just think there's there's often a because you you hear dates like 2050 thrown out there, then people think, well, that's that's a long way off. Potentially, that's something that yes, it's of course it's important, but there's there's more urgent things. There's the post-COVID world that we're having to come to terms with. There's the whole hybrid working model. People aren't sure how big. Uh, their, their real estate portfolio needs to be anymore. Um, that's a constantly evolving problem. Um, and then, of course, rising energy prices coupled with the carbon issue. It's it's like a perfect storm almost. Um, uh, from a corporate point of view, for us, it's 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 great because it means that the data from your your assets in your buildings and and, and from the buildings themselves is, has never been more important. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very good time for us. Um, and as I said, we, we've developed uh, and are continuing to develop a particular solution that has some very unique features that means that for very large portfolios, it's a lot easier to start building those data sets that then allow you to populate the reporting tools so you comply with the legislative requirements. And then I think you sort of inferred that the, the legislation is going to get tougher and tougher and, and that's likely to be the case because all the early indications are that um, we're probably going to miss a lot of the targets as, as a country in terms of our commitments um, and then obviously within uh, different industry sectors um, there's going to going to be a lot of missed targets and and that becomes that then starts to become a, a financial and a business model problem because the the less credible your net zero pathway and your strategies look um, the the less favourable that investors start to you know start to view you. So you 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 really do need it's, it's that double um, whammy of you, you've obviously got the climate concern, you've obviously got the environmental sustainability concern, 
but you've also got a very real threat to, to your business model, um, uh, a financial challenge, because for many of the big real estate operators, um, there's, there's both the value of the assets in terms of uh, is it is it compliant with with legislation not just now but obviously going forward building towards 2030 and 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 in this country obviously mees and how that'll tighten up towards a b rating by 2030 so that you can continue to 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 lease that that property or or, or resell that property so that's a massive financial and, and and business risk for these companies where you've got to make decisions around where you where you prioritize your investment in your portfolio because probably there may not be enough available capital to upgrade the entire portfolio. You might have to make decisions about hiving some property off before it gets, you know, what they call a brown discount against the asset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe focus on where you can start to invest and upgrade those properties to differentiate them against the competition and then attract more uh, of, of the, the more premium tenants um, on, on, you know, green leases, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really challenging time. Definitely. And I think you mentioned there, obviously, legislation. We've seen that in the past, you know, legislation drives change. So like you said, we've got this commitment to net zero in 2050, but it almost feels as though there hasn't been maybe enough legislation or policy to drive that change as quickly as we would have liked yeah. up until now. Um, I know we've recently seen updates to the building regulations as well, um, particularly Part L is something that we've looked at in quite yeah. a lot of detail, um, and we're discussing that with with another guest in a couple of weeks on the podcast. Right. So all of this is quite positive overall. Yeah. But, but yeah, it definitely presents a lot of challenges, like you said, when it comes to collecting that data. Yeah, and 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 the problem with some of the new legislation, obviously, is if it's focused on new developments. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that that sounds, uh, you know, and it's it's absolutely correct that there should be. But the problem with talking about new developments is it's such a small percentage of the built environment. Yeah. Um, I think I saw somewhere it's something like 2% um, mm-hmm. in terms of new development in, you know, in relation to the actual built environment that we've, we've got to deal with. So you could almost argue that there's no material impact you're going to make on the, on the 2050 or you know, even 2030 delivery targets by focusing too much on new, new developments. There should be, of course, legislation against new developments. Of course, there should um but but um it is the existing buildings that yeah, really have to be addressed market that is going to be yeah the biggest market because ultimately yeah. there's a lot of current like current buildings that are already built that are going to need yeah it's uh, again i i'm I, I just trying to remember I, I saw something the other day i think it was 80 80 85 percent of, of of all the buildings that will have to have at a, at, at a very high level of energy efficiency and and, and mm-hmm. carbon or decarbonized by 2050 or at 2050 will be buildings that exist today. Yeah. So really that that's where the effort's got to go. And um, it's difficult because for, for a lot of customers, those buildings are not built in a, in a standardized way in terms of the, the assets or the, the, the engineering control systems that they're running, um, the way that the systems are procured, configured, maintained, it's it's a real mixed bag. Uh, and each building's different. You've got new challenges in every building. And I guess going back to, you know, my decision to come here, it was about the fact that this business as a master systems integration business understands exactly how to go in and engage those challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, we we have a very defined process that that allows us to very quickly 
um, get to a baseline with a building and then we can start to give the customer some some data and, and, and the ability to make informed decisions about what they decide to do on, on that particular site. It, it may be that they, regardless of the, the best intentions, that they realise, well, actually, you know, the, the outcome we would like to see in that building is not that feasible. You know, there isn't really a bit a supportable business case and so maybe we have to look at another building within the portfolio and and, and so on. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing, I mean, you've touched on it there, but it must present a challenge for companies in general throughout the supply chain who are trying to access data from all of these existing buildings to get an accurate picture of performance. So yeah. are you getting kind of other companies within the supply chain coming to yourselves, not just yeah. clients, but asking yeah. for help to basically bridge that gap and actually access all the data? Yeah, all, all the time. And, and actually, it's interesting because it's not just it, it's it's both on the data side and it's also on the um, the physical um, resource side in terms of domain expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, a, again, one of the things I've realized uh, over the last year is that that level of experience and domain expertise is not common. It just isn't that common in the industry, not not just in the UK, but but even globally. And, and uh, so there's a big challenge. There's lots and lots of software out there um, that does different things and creates different solves for different problems within the mix of, of, of creating a, you know, a smart digital building, however you want to call it. Somebody has to do that, 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 that you know, create those fundamental building blocks at the outset so that whatever you do end up putting on top as a, as a software layer actually is using useful data is, is, is you know accurate homogenized data actually has a, um, a uniformity around it and, and and is standardized in a way that it is useful and it is useful to users of the building who are trying to optimize different systems within the building so you know creating those actionable insights as we call them uh, that, that people can then make the changes necessary um to to give them an outcome bought the software for in the first place um so yeah but we do get a lot of people who have specific point applications Uh, it could be around um meeting room bookings it could be around space utilization um uh, you know people counting it could be around iaq indoor air quality which is obviously very popular very big at the moment especially as a lot of corporates are trying to encourage people back to work back into the building they're very keen to show that the air quality is is a you know is of a, a high standard, um, and that is managed in in a way that you know can deal with the the, the changing um, occupancy density. There's there's lots and lots of I mean almost endless amounts of point applications out there from lots and lots of vendors. In many cases, they are companies that haven't necessarily worked in buildings as such, so uh, they don't always understand necessarily the 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 engineering assets that their dashboards are dependent on in order to get the right data, um, which is fine. And then that's why they need a partner like us to 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 help bridge that gap. Um, then there are on the other extreme, there are very large vendors who have um, uh, data platforms, uh, cloud platforms, where they want to push pretty much all the data uh, from the buildings up to these these platforms. Um, but again, they need someone to bridge that gap between their platform um, and maybe you know an analytics layer that they might be employing, but again, there's there's this issue of what, how do they get all of the, the the data out of the the assets themselves, um, when in many cases there's no uniformity to the assets. So, you know, uh, big vendor A is selling the platform, 
but may only have one or two assets in that building. All these other assets are from a multiple of, of disparate vendors. And, and, and in many cases, they can be quite old um, and they were never really um, designed to communicate with other people's systems. And so it's a big challenge. It, it really is. And, and of course, given how many buildings there are, you can't afford to spend years on every one of these retrofits. You know, the, 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 the goal has to be, and we certainly are focused on accelerating that process. Um, and and we'll, be, we'll be proving this out very soon with a, a project we've been running for a, a very large um, uh, real estate investment business um, in the UK at the end of this month. Um, we'll be effectively you could call it creating an independent data layer for, for a building of theirs um, that's about half a million square feet. Uh, and and we'll, we're looking to actually run that whole process um, from start to finish within the space of a quarter. Um, and, and, and the goal there is that, you know, to, to, to prove that you can accelerate the process and still get the accuracy and, and, and the right type of data to the right users so that it, it does improve consistently um the, the the operations of the building um so yeah it's it, it, it's an important thing i think to be able to get the timeline down to deliver value brilliant and i mean based on that i guess a bit more of like the technical workings of how you would go about generating an esg score and, and an improvement plan based on that data that is collected do you see the benefit of something like a digital twin to be able to achieve that because i think you know, we've spoken to a lot of companies and there is a movement in the market now where, yes, there's a need to understand the current picture of the building. Yeah. But a lot of people are trying to achieve that by, you know, installing meters or loggers or physical hardware in a building, which has a cost. And yeah, involved in that as well. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, you, you, you're spot on. And it's interesting with Digital Twin because, you know, the whole Digital Twin momentum built up uh, to a point where it was pretty much what everybody was talking about for, for quite a while. And then people started to consider, well, what's the cost of doing it? Because again, if you've got one or two buildings, great, you, you can probably make a business case uh, and, and you, 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 you'll create a, a beautiful simulation of all the key critical assets um, that, 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 um, that, that run that building. But um, and of course, then you can do some kind of, you know, simulation analysis and you can make decisions based on that data to when you do what. And, and that's great. But if you've got 10, 20, 50, 100, you know, we, we, we talk to some customers who've got a thousand buildings. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It, 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 there's no chance it's going to happen. And so and, and then even if you go away from the glossy front end of the of, of what some of these digital twins look like and they do look you know they have got great um, graphical user interface and and, and really rich um, experience but but um, you then look at as you as you said you, you start to think about well how is the where's the data coming from and because they're submetering to that extent to get um, that that level of granularity of data that's a huge cost yeah I mean that that that's a that that really is a significant cost. That's that's a whole um, separate project. Um, you you could be looking at. I mean I don't know ballpark. Um, you could be looking at on a on a couple of hundred thousand square feet. So not even a huge building. You could be looking at another eighty k or hundred k. 
um, on a on a on a larger building, um, say a very large, say a million square feet, you, you could be talking four or five hundred thousand pounds. I mean, yeah. is that realistic that, that somebody's going to do that, put that that additional level of infrastructure in? Um, uh, because again, in in all honesty, even if you do make a big dent in your in, in your energy costs, you're going to do well to recover that investment. Yeah, and it's so I, I, I don't see it. it. Yeah, counterintuitive because. The whole purpose is to, you know, remove carbon and by installing more hardware, you're ultimately adding carbon into that process. There's, yeah, that, that's become more of a, the, again, you're right. That's so, so it's not just the actual cost of, of, of doing those projects. Um, it, it's, it's this whole uh, new um, thinking around embodied carbon. Um, and, and so, yeah, if, you, if you're just installing more and more hardware, um, you're, 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 you're building a bigger um, potential mountain of carbon that you've then got to mitigate against and uh, it, it, yeah you're not you're not helping so so actually it, it's interesting because that is a that's a very specific thing that we do um, whereby uh, we have a methodology for um, for capturing uh, and, and and for visualizing um, the device level data mm-hmm. uh, so that's both you know energy and obviously carbon but also performance from devices themselves without submetering yeah and we've developed no, that more of a future-proofed solution isn't it because well, we, we think so because capturing current usage you've, you're able to then see how you can simulate that and make changes as well whereas with the installing hardware you can see the current picture but not how that could improve or well, in, in theory, if you if you put in sufficient levels of submetering and, and you had a, 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 some kind of digital twin model running, then, yeah, I can see why absolutely, you know, in theory, it works. You could do great simulations and, and, and so on. The problem is, practically, like I said, if you've got more than one or two buildings, how are you really going to justify the business case? I, I don't get it. Um, what we do with with not having to use physical meters i mean again we we're more than happy for buildings full of meters great we'll 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 deploy against those meters and we'll pull that data but but actually we we've developed a methodology over the last few years whereby um and we've tested this validated this with a number of customers now whereby we know we can pull uh the same data um we can we can visualize that data as i say it's the the energy carbon and the performance data depending on the device across any device type so this doesn't have to be necessarily engineering assets on the OT network. This can be uh, digital assets on the IT network. This could be IoT arrays, devices. Or virtual sensors, almost. Yeah, yeah that, that sort of effect. But actually, it's more around a calculation methodology that we use. Um, and, and we can prove it out, obviously, and have done. And, and like I say, it's now accepted by a, a, a number of big customers for us. Um, but what it means is that we don't have that, that, that huge um, additional cost. Um, and that additional timeline of having to deploy physical um, hardware, but but again, as you the point you've just raised, which is a great point, is the additional embodied carbon, which is now becoming a bigger and bigger talking point. And you 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 know the the whole embodied carbon certification um, is is a is a requirement you see all the time now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been Pleasure. great going through those questions.